Welcome to Waking Youth. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Katarina Doria. Hello. <laughs> Katarina developed an app when she was only 16 years old called Saipralá, an app that uh, maps sexual harassment in the streets of Brazil. She also writes uh, poetry and some, I would say, activism work. Uh, and right now she's living in Spain and she's studying uh, communication and digital media at IE with me. And I decided to invite Katarina, not only because she's my friend, but oh. also because she really inspires me. I think you're one of the most authentic people I know. At the end of the day, I think it should be everyone's goal to to speak your truth and stay authentic. And so I think the best way for us to start this podcast today is if you share a little bit of your experience uh, with Saipralá. So what made you start this project? How did you feel in the beginning and when you actually able to develop the app? So I lived in Brazil my entire life. I mean, until I was 17 or maybe 18. And so I was always kind of used to this culture of like harassment. So, for example, in Brazil, when you walk on the streets, you already know it's not going to be safe. So you should never walk by yourself. You should always have a friend, uh, more importantly, like a male friend, you know. So that is always a thing. So one day I was walking on the streets uh, by myself, what I should, which I shouldn't have done, you know, not to blame myself because I'm the victim, victim in the case. But, you know, it's something that you shouldn't do in Brazil. And I was walking by myself. And then this guy started following me, following me. And then he started getting closer and started touching me. And I was walking on the streets and this was happening and people were watching and no one helped me. And I remember I got really pissed, like I was really angry and no one was helping me. And it continued until it, one time, like I started kind of not running, but walking really fast. And then the guy left. But I was so like, you know me, you know, I get really like angry and I didn't say anything. I didn't scream, you know, like it was terrible and everything was like within me. So I got home. I was really angry. I started talking to my sister, saying what happened, really pissed. And then I just sat on my couch and I was like, okay, whatever. I watch television and this will just leave my mind. But then when I sat on the couch and I relaxed for like 20 seconds or 30 seconds, I had the idea in my head, like, oh my God, why not developing an app to map sexual harassment? And this, this literally was like a sentence in my head. It just popped in. And then I was like, Anna, whatever. It is just, you know, every day you have many ideas and you never fulfill them. And I was just like, this is just, this is just going to be another idea that I will have and not do. But then I had another thing in my head saying like, just send a message to your friends. And I was like, okay. So I sent a message to two of my friends because I'm, I'm part of the Girl Scout, Boy Scout movement. And then I had older friends that were designers and app developers. And I sent them a message saying my idea. And they were like, yeah, sure, let's meet. And then we started meeting. And then... I thought it was kind of awesome because I think it's the switch, you know, like when you have many ideas and you just like forget about them. In that moment, I was like, no way, I'm not letting this go. I send a message and then you're kind of, you know, you have to do it because now your friends are on board and you're like, there's no way going back. So we started meeting every Wednesdays and we started doing it. But then it would take too long because they were helping me. They had like lives and kids and, you know, so at that time I had my prom. So everyone was going to Cancun, like to beach and drink and party and whatever. And then I told my mom, mom, can I take that money and just pay for them to do the app? And she was like, well, you're crazy. You're going to regret this. I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it. So I took the money from one place and I, I paid them. So the app was ready in one week or something because, I mean, they were doing it. Yeah, for work. And then I was super excited and nervous because then I had a project that cost a lot. And I was like, I'll release it to the public. And if it's a fail, it's a fail, you know. 
and then I, I, I did a Facebook page and then uh, I remember I, I made an Instagram post and then I had one like, two likes, 20 <laughs> likes, 30 likes and then I had 1,000 likes and I was like, oh my God, I made it. So it was People from know. one day to the No, to it, the was, other, it was viral. Changed. It became. So, uh, and I remember I think in the first 5,000 likes or maybe 2,000 likes, my mom was like, oh my God, let's celebrate and get French fries and we thought that this was like <laughs> the best it would get, yeah. you know? And then when I, I went to sleep and the other day when I woke up, I had like, I don't know, 20,000 likes but then I had like missed calls and then I saw that I opened the television and people were talking about me and then facebook was like like you know when you see other people becoming viral i became viral in 2016 and it was like insane because like people would like television would call me and i would be like how do you have my number this is freaky like no and then two days later i was in television and programa da fatima bernardes and i did other stuff and i was literally i had no idea what was going on to become viral or you know and the problem is I thought it was going to be cool and I would be able to help, but there was not going to be like backlash in a sense. Silly me, because there was a lot of backlash because Brazil is a really sexist country. And I was trying to, you know, push, as you were saying, like a lot of people like me, but a lot of people hate me for being who I am. And it was more or less what happened. So in the same time, I was helping the feminist movement that was not cool in 2016. Like being a feminist is like, oh, I don't believe in feminism. I believe in like humanism. People don't say that anymore. But in 2016, that was the thing, you know, people saying that what's feminism or whatever. And then I had a lot of men, you know, coming at me and saying awful stuff so it was like you know it was a great moment of my life but it was a moment in which i had to do with a lot of hate how did you feel in that moment like actually like when when everything changed in your life like do you did you feel like it was real like what what was your no and then you have to do all of all of those interviews like what yeah. were you feeling i don't know i think it was super crazy because I kept receiving messages and it's just going to be really intimate and kind of <laughs> disgusting here, but I didn't have time to pee. Like I didn't because I would legit, I would tell my sister, I was like, Julia, like my, my phone would pop all the time, all the time, pop, pop, pop. And I would be in calls for five minutes because there were people like saying, ah, come to, I don't know what state to talk about this, come to television here. So I had to juggle this all. And I was like, Julia, I need to pee so bad, but I can't. So I just gave her my phone and I just went to the bathroom. I was like, I don't care, you know? And at one point, like when Fatima Bernadette's called, I was like, what is this? real life like is it fantasy or not but then after one week and when i went to television it was like live i was like okay this is it this is my life now and now i just have to deal with it and i mean i'm, I'm really bubbly so i don't care i'm not really shy so i was just like okay i'm in it and let's do this so it was great and crazy to become viral is something that's like people think it's just cool but as i said before it's really hard too because it just gets lost and you don't know what people are talking about you anymore yeah Uh, and what would you say, because you were also talking about the fact that, of course, uh, we have a lot of ideas, yeah. but to actually make that shift, like from one thing, yeah. one thing is having an idea in mind, the other thing is actually making the decision that you're going to go forward. Yeah. What would you say to people that have ideas and that have one specific idea, they would love to ma make it happen, uh, but are afraid of yeah. giving that first step? I think it's today I was actually watching a YouTube video. And then this girl was talking about the five seconds rule. And it's not about the food one, but it's the five seconds rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that book. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically like if you have something, don't let your brain think about it too much. You know, just in the five first seconds, just move, move your body. In my case, I literally, I remember I was sitting at the couch, like kind of laying down. 
And then I was like, ah, oh, whatever. And I was like, no. So it literally took me five seconds to turn around, take my phone that was on, like on the floor and send a message to two friends. And in the moment I sent the message, it became real. So like there was no backing up and say like, oh, no, forget about it. It's just done, you know. So I think if you have a good idea, don't think about it. Don't start like, yeah, of course you have to plan. But, you know, just take a piece of pen, a piece of paper, a pen and do it, you know, send a message to your friend or, you know, you have to, I don't know, just literally do it don't think about it because if you think about it you'll think about like 10 reasons not to do it no it's interesting because uh when i was preparing to start this podcast yeah. actually that that was one of the five second rule book <laughs> was one of the books that really helped me <laughs> because like this idea that we have to feel ready is bullshit like it's we're bullshit. never gonna feel ready no. so we just have to put ourselves out there so what, what yes. i do usually is like when something when i think i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna invite this person to go for lunch and it can be a date someone yes. that inspires you or you're gonna start a podcast or start writing for medium whatever it is um just do it right away just send the email yes. to the person you want to invite and just put yourself like take the fear walk hand in hand with your fear <laughs> to, he's your best friend because those situations that you're most afraid of doing those are the situations that are gonna make you follow your path uh, those are the scariest one but then once you start you just a hundred percent starts happening everything that you just said i i agree a hundred percent and it's everything where we're talking about feelings if you like someone it's just not only about ideas you know mm -hmm. it's just like take those five seconds of courage and just go for it like just go for it and don't look back uh, and now that you started this app and it went viral uh do you think that where you stand now do you feel the pressure to continue being successful or it, that's actually an inspiration for you to, to continue okay um inspiration it is of course but i feel like it's a lot of pressure because i mean i did something that it was amazing and that not a lot of people do and i'm not saying like oh my god i'm amazing incredible that's not the point but i did something that was outside the curve and i was only 16 so people are always constantly telling me like oh what's your next big project or what are you doing so i keep you know being afraid that i was like i think we talked about this before i'm afraid of being a one song hit you know like those yeah. artists well, how do you say that one song one hit wonders. one hit yeah yeah something like that like call me maybe like i don't want to be yes. a call me maybe you know <laughs> i want to be successful in my entire life so I, I definitely feel the pressure and i also feel the pressure of like i don't know people see me in a way you know i and I, just, I don't know I feel like people a lot of people look up to me or they look at me and it's like oh she's such a like great person I want to be like her so I'm always afraid of not being enough for mm -hmm. them you know because I want to be a good a good not person to follow but you know a good yeah but I'm just gonna add a parenthesis yeah. um I was talking about this with a friend yeah. uh this past weekend and we were talking about what what what's actually um what are the the skills or what what is the mindset that people who are successful um have and how does it differ from regular yeah. people and at the end of the day like it's not about your intelligence it's not about you being special it's about you believing you're special and you believing you have those skills yeah. because those people who are in doing great things for society the fir like first first of all they believe in themselves of course they can have self-doubt self but they believe that they can progress and they can become that person that they really want to be and they tell that to themselves every day and and because of that other people start believing in them as well yeah. so in your case like and i think for everyone overall like we have to re repeatedly tell ourselves that we're good enough and we be if we believe 
uh, in this constantly, we're going to achieve all of those things. And we can achieve one time with an app and then we can continue if you want to write a book or if you want to be and yeah. do. But you just have to keep telling yourself like, no, I am enough. Um, I can be successful because if you don't believe you can be successful, then you'll never be successful. A hundred percent. But I also think that we have to acknowledge or I have to acknowledge that in my story, I was like super privileged, you know, I had a mom that supported me, you know, it's just like I had the money to go to Cancun and use it in my app. So like I have to acknowledge that I was in a situation in which I had many privileges. And I, I understand that when we say like, I think I'll be enough, I'll be enough and I'll manage to do it. I think it's for everyone, but I also feel like we always have to acknowledge the privileges privileges that we have, you know, because for some people it's going to be harder because of their skin color, of their sexuality or X, Y and Z, you know, and in my case, in, in the moment that I was, I was in a really like privileged, privileged situation. So, yeah, I just have to say thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> If you're hearing this, you're the best. Um, From from here, I wanted to talk about sexual harassment, but okay. and harassment in general. But you you touched uh, an interesting point in there, and it's related to this. Like you were talking about race and and gender and and all of this. Um, like, what do you think? Because um, I I think a lot about this the f as a woman. I yeah. think that um, I not only have to care about what I'm going meaning like I start a new job let's say instead of like just having to focus about uh, my performance in my job because I'm a woman it feels like sometimes I owe pretty to society mm -hmm. uh, and I have to look good and I have to talk yeah. a certain way and of course men can have like they have to follow certain social scripts but it just what frustrates me is that minorities and in this case we're talking about women and harassment we have something to think about before we have to think about our authenticity. And this is just annoying because I feel like I spent, we spend so much time thinking about our appearance and body image and all of this stuff. And it's energy we could invest in our, in being authentic and discovering what's her purpose and, and having meaningful lives. Time and money. Exactly. Um, so can you tell me a little bit of like, how do you feel about this? Like, yeah. how was your first, because you also started working for Twitter. Like, yeah. how did you feel in there? Uh, did you feel like there was uh, yeah. equality or did you feel harassed and at the end of the day what is harassment because it's also very hard to know what what actually is yeah so to, to start what you were saying I think it, there was a really cool post on Instagram that was like per week women spend I don't know like seven or eight hours doing makeup and hair and you know taking eyebrows and whatever and then in one year this goes to like I don't know like I don't know 30 days 20 days I don't know and it was great when I saw it I was like oh my god so actually what you said makes total sense because the time that we spend doing our nails or doing stuff for the way we appear is like time that we take off from building our own personality, you know, from reading a book, from, you know, developing who we actually are. So I think that's 100% valid. And of course, as you said, men also have different things that they need to do. But I feel like in society nowadays, we have to think about our appearance first and then the rest, you know, follows. And for men, I think it's different. And uh, where I worked before, I ne no, I'd never felt that there. Um, it was a great place. Uh, they respect you. They care for you. Um, they they work really hard to have equal men and women balance. So like the percentages, race, um, LGBT. So like they really work 
um, good, well in that. But I feel like, for example, university, I feel that sometimes, you know, when I give an idea for a project, no one listens, but then the man comes there and then he, he says something and people are like, oh my God, that's brilliant. And I'm like, what? I gave that. So I feel like in university, I feel But this. do you feel, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do yeah, you feel fine. that with other students or with uh, people above you? Like teachers? teachers? I felt that with teachers with, or like, for example, we have some teachers that would say, you know, like, oh, the, those uh, mothers who go to the gym and don't do anything during the day. You know, that little micro-sexism. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> but it's like micro-sexism, you know, those comments that people say like, oh, he's just trying to be funny. But you know, under every joke, there's, as we talk in ethics, ethics you know, there's always um, a stereotype. There's always something under the jokes. So the jokes are not just jokes. They mean something. So I feel like in university is the place that I feel sexism, like all the time you know yeah and i remember also in different classes that we had with different students not from our degree only i would hear a lot of comments that it was, uh, race, uh, racism doesn't exist or you know what is feminism we don't need that you know so i i feel like in university this is the place that i feel the most and where i worked i never ever felt mm -hmm. that i was uh inferior or that i was not worth you know i was mm -hmm. always actually i felt that i was more worth in my work than in university you know uh yes and with the example of teachers like i think a lot because th there's so many times that i want to go uh and meet one of my professors um to get to know the person mm -hmm. um but i don't because i'm afraid of, that they'll think that i'm interested in them mm -hmm. and it's always like But that's not only uh, yeah. sex, it's not about gender, I think. That's about social scripts and, yeah. and our fear of being authentic for being misinterpreted. But what I wanted to ask you, like, okay... Um, no, but wait, wait, before okay. you finish. But do you think, like, for example, if you're a girl and you want to take, like, a, let's grab a coffee with a, so. um, a teacher that's a female, mm -hmm. no problem. If you're a girl that wants to grab a coffee with a teacher that's male, it's kind of weird. Yes. But then men, they could grab coffees with teachers that are male or female because it won't be weird, you know? Mm -hmm. It's weird for us as women, and this is annoying. I feel like it's really but, annoying. But, yeah, but what I'm trying to do now, and this is, like, related to what yeah. i wanted to ask you after is okay. like what i'm trying to do now is not get influenced by this idea society yeah. have like what's what's socially correct yeah you do appropriate you or no do, you yeah. do you do you but the other thing is that i also don't know how a man feels so i can't say anything about like i know what being a woman i know i'm i feel uncomfortable but i know that if i don't do it then it just we're never gonna evolve so i think my approach is to just not let this hold me back and just go for it so like And this this discussion is very tricky because obviously when we start when we start talking about uh, race and and feminism and and all of this in class, people like you said, it's like no, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, it does exist. I think it's it's very subtle. Um, Not necessarily subtle. See, sometimes it's very obvious. <laughs> others it, it's subtle. But I'm always concerned. Like I'm always wondering whether we um whether we should all be activists and keep talking about these issues all the time or if we just like continue with our lives and try to make these individual decisions of of not letting this hold us back like what do you do on a daily basis to fight this like do you try to to have this discussion with people make people aware or just like through your actions not give a shit about it you know no i speak like for me it's really important and it's different ways that people 
think about in Portuguese. I'm sorry, but it's um, when you're talking about social movements, like there are different ways people act. Like some people, they just keep quiet and with their actions they show. But there's also people that speak up. In the case, I of course I use this day day by day, but I also speak up. And for me, speaking up is really important. So just a fun um, example. Uh, I had a friend that tells uh, told me one day. He was like, she was like. Katarina, why do you tell everyone that you're bisexual all the time? Literally, you you tell you greet you greet someone saying like, "Hey, I'm bisexual and my name is Katarina." And I'm like, I do it I do this on purpose because if someone is listening, for example, right now the podcast or if I'm in the room, I want people to know that I am bisexual and I'm not afraid of that. So if people are also in the room and they're also bisexuals or uh, lesbians or gay, they will say like, "Oh, She's here. She exists. I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm not afraid. But for other people that didn't come out of the closet, they are afraid. So by knowing that someone like them is in the room is important. Same thing is, for example, many times I had classes in a in a, in a room full of men. And then I had other like five or six girls. And in the moment that I would speak up about feminism or how they were being rude towards women and whatever, I could see the eyes of the other girls, you know, light up. Because they were like, oh, okay, I'm not by myself. Like, there's someone here that thinks like me. So I think there's a really important part of speaking up. And I actually, I did a tweet yesterday um, that I said something about, I really dislike people that are only pro-social movements when it's convenient to them. So, you know, those people that take pictures in the LGBT parades and they're like, oh my God, I love gays. And then when they're in the room and they hear, some, they hear someone saying sexist or homophobic comments, they just stay quiet, you know? And I hate that. For me, it's, if you're telling me that you are pro-social movement if you're in a room and someone's someone's being racist or homophobic you have to speak up you cannot let these things happen you know and for me that's something that my pet peeve the thing that i hate the most is people that fake being pro-social movements you know mm -hmm. if in those moments you keep quiet you know i think there's if you have the strength if you have the courage you have to do it until people you know until we live in a society that things are okay yes no i think that's yeah. beautiful and i think that's very mu much your mission you always speak yeah. up about these always. issues i'm annoying because i remember is, in class why i said <laughs> in the beginning the authenticity because she starts speaking about race and gender and she re gets really passionate and then people start looking but i 100 percent <laughs> agree with you because yeah, at the end of the day if we don't talk things are never gonna change but i i think like i'm I'm very hopeful about the future and I'm going to share this because we, we talked a lot about bisexuality and, yes. all of, and all of these things because it, it really is a taboo still like in in, in our university. In university <laughs> and I don't know, not Europe in general because you go to Germany and Berlin, like it's a different, yes. but I'm saying like in our university right now, for example, in Brazil, the social circles that I was in, everyone was bi, like it was great. But I mean, we know that in Brazil is one of the highest taxes of uh, trans people being killed and whatever, but continue. Yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's more normalized overall it is a taboo to talk about bisexuality yeah. uh it is okay for women women to say that they are uh, bisexual if they're bisexual and not gay because it's kind of hot but this is like very from yeah. the f male perspective it's very hot for a woman for once in a while be with another woman yeah. but kind of like to for provoke, their pleasure to yeah. provoke the men yeah. uh but i think like that so it was, we're still not there, but at least this is evolving. But like, I really think that we should we should talk about it more often. And I remember that um, when I moved away from Portugal, I started questioning. Like, I I never felt attracted to a woman, but why didn't I even consider this? And because literally no one I talks about it. I remember we had this conversation know? in my bed in Segovia. <laughs> 
um, and yeah, and even now I'm like being self-conscious about yeah. what I'm saying because we really don't talk about this. But basically, I start. I I had this friend, and yeah. I started feeling these things for my friend, for my girlfriend. A tingling sensation. A tingling stomach. sensation. <laughs> um, and then I was like, okay, but I'm I'm actually gonna explore this. And so I remember I went like she's really my close friend, so I had no problems being honest with her. And I told her, look, I think I have feelings for you. This never happened to me before. But then that was my first step, and that was like opening a, a door to a whole different Pandora world. Pandora box. <laughs> and it's just Open. like it's so interesting that yeah. all that thing, the, all that stuff people say, sexuality is a spectrum. It really is. Like since you're, since I was a little kid, I was formatted to think in a certain way. And it, it only took me this one first step to realize that so there's a whole different world and there's this world a of women. And world. actually, I do feel attracted to other women. Like at this point, I don't know. Like I think it's I would I love the um, the concept of uh, I love the concept of unsexual that we yeah. we are attracted to people and it just matters the the essence, right? Just just what you're um, saying right now. It's a heteronormative society that we live in. So we wake, uh, we we are raised with princesses and princes. You know, like you have this whole every movie that you watch is always a guy and a girl and a guy and a girl. And you're born watching and reading about guys and girls, guys and girls. So whenever you feel like, oh, I'm a girl and I like a girl, like it's cognitive dissonance. Your brain never felt this before because you grew up in a society that only allowed you to see boy and girl boy and girl together you know so yeah continue with the story with you yeah just finishing with my brother so i want him to know that whatever he feels that's okay like you're allowed to feel be attracted to whatever and he's like i see his eyes going super big like hmm, i'm i'm no i'm now it's time for me to <laughs> yeah. know what you're doing you know and then i said like look i started with guys and uh, you know i had a boyfriend like you met him and then i discovered this whole different world and i discovered that it's more mu much more about the person than anything else so at this point i see myself like i i'm i still feel like i'm more um heterosexual than homosexual because Because I also think I've learned how to be in a relationship with a man and not yes. with a woman. And with a woman, if there's to be a woman that I'm attracted to in the future, I still have to learn how, like, what are the roles? Yeah, the and, roles, yeah. The, it's the, the whole concept of, like, yeah, yeah like, we're yeah, in 100% understand. It's just, like, telling them it's okay. Whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Because the, the thing is that we're coming from a society in which, I mean, in our, in our generation and past generations, because the new generation is different. But, you know... It was the different was being LGBT. And if you think about this, it's it's insane to think that, you know, like there's no right and wrong. It's like, ah, oh, it's okay for you to be heterosexual. And it's like going to someone and telling them, oh, it's okay if you're gay. It's just weird because of course it's okay. Like we have to understand the concept of like social constructions, you know, and we live in a society nowadays that it's just like, it's weird. It's different. It's like edgy to be LGBT. And that's bullshit. Like it should just be normalized. It's like, whatever you feel like girls, if you like guys, it should not be the topic of conversation. Of course, nowadays we have to talk about this until it's normalized. But if you, I don't know, because some people, they still think like, I, I don't like LGBT people. It's like, why? For me right now, in the moment of this deconstruction that I have in my head, I swear I cannot understand those people that are still like, you know, so caught up into that homophobic vibes that I 100% don't understand. I think in regards to people who are not open, I think... I'm really trying not to judge them in general. Of course, it's very hard, but I, I think do. they 
<laughs> I do judge them because I think nowadays, I mean, you know, you being closed minded, you're affecting the life of thousands and millions of others, you know, like, I mm-hmm. know oh, it's okay if they don't like LGBT, but it's not okay, you know. But l- let me just finish my point. Okay, because <laughs> I think that like what I felt like what I felt moving to Spain was that like I was I was mainstream. I was... <laughs> I was mainstream in the sense like I was told all my life what to yeah. do, how to behave. And I come here and I have the opportunity to start experimenting by myself. Yeah. Like what's, what type of people I want to be friends with, what I want to do professionally. And then I'm, like I discovered like, wow, like I can literally be Mind whoever blown. I want. And like I'm so privileged that I had this opportunity to open up this world. Yeah. And I feel like those people who are judgmental, like they're actually stuck in fear. They're stuck in other people's expectations yeah. of them. And for me, like the, the no judgment is like I'm going to make them like... I think the best way for you to make those people who are close-minded understand that they're close-minded is like, okay, I'm not going to shout at you. I'm going to try to understand and approach you with empathy to then make you see that there's a better way of being. There's a better way that you can be in your life. You can feel better about yourself. And that comes with respecting others, allowing others to be themselves as well. And then they started like trying to understand what in fact they actually want and not what other people and like what religion told told them so i think but i I understand what you're saying this this thing of being like calm and trying to understand and have a dialogue and whatever but i also think that this is before we were talking about different ways like some people they speak up and the other people just you know internalize and i think it's different you know because i don't see like a person for example i suffered a lot of like harassment in brazil you know and then when i go to class and then people saying like oh it's not dangerous it's not i get pissed you know i get angry so i hate when people are like no but you have to have a calm dialogue i think there's certain topics that calm dialogues like I think it's too much to ask for a minority or a person that suffered Mm -hmm. to be calm and have a dialogue with a person that oppresses her normally. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you are the person who oppresses me. No, I... But, you know, like, uh, for a girl to explain to a guy why rape is wrong, you know, and the guys are, like, kind of laughing, it's just, I'm going to scream at you. Don't tell me to be calm and have a dialogue with a person that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not you who oppressed me, but it was a fellow, you know, a guy like you that did. So I think, yes, if you can have a dialogue with respect and calmness, great. But I feel like... I think screaming or being angry at people and raising their your voice it's 100% valid if you feel like it's too much for you, you know. Like many times that I had to, you know, speak louder because people were simply like, you know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I don't regret I it's just like you have different types. Yes, and of, there's no patience yeah. in the world for us to have no. peaceful conversations with no, people. No, there's not. Yeah. And what I was saying before it's just like people having these closed minds it's it's bad for the minorities you know so it's people saying like ah no but i can have the opinion that i want to we're not talking about opinions you know it's not okay for you to have a racist opinion because racism is not an opinion it's like you being an asshole same thing with lgbt or with sexism you know that's not opinion this is actually a character flaw it's something that you shouldn't be or shouldn't do Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry because i feel like it's also important to notice that I normally talk about feminism because I'm a woman. So, for example, if you want to talk about race or other things, I think, of course, you have to ask a person of, you know, a black person or an indigenous or like certain topics, I think. So every time I talk about racism here, I'm not talking about racism yeah. itself, but I'm saying about like the, the movements that they are mm-hmm. in general. So just. Uh, yes. A OK. And now, like, do okay. you th- to what extent to um... <laughs> the microphone, guys, it's annoying. Yes. But talking close to it is kind of cool. You're feeling like a what real podcast right yes, now. <laughs> it's so cool. And the closer you get, the, like, the more intimate it is. Yes. Let me try. It gets really crisp. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you think that uh, 
being authentic to that point like you yeah. think that because you're out there and you're talking about what yeah. you're passionate about and standing up for all these causes this actually intimidates a lot of people and <laughs> <Lost>. particularly <laughs> does it make it harder for you in relationships oh romantic for relationships. sure no it's <laughs> we talk about this a lot yes. and it's it's really hard because It, in general, just to make friends is hard because I have a lot of people that I become... For example, here, I think a lot of people will hear me and they will think like, oh my God, she's so goofy or like she's laughing all the time because this is actually my personality, you know? Like I laugh and I'm funny, whatever, but I some people see me as a big monster, you know? They are afraid to talk to me. They're afraid that I will judge them or make them feel like, like no, like I just try to be really lols and funny most of the times. But of course, if I'm talking to you and you're being like sexist, I'm going to call you out, you know? So... I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and about relationships, I feel it's really hard in the sense that men get really afraid because as we were talking before about roles, you know, like m women normally had to be like quieter and more like, you know, you know, bow to men. And I'm not doing that, you know. So for a lot of men, they don't understand, you know, why I speak too much or why am I so, you know, like lively and I'm like, I'm so passionate about discussing these topics. So I feel like, yes, a lot of men, they... They get really afraid, so it's hard. It's really hard to find a guy that understands what I'm saying and doesn't feel, like, afraid of me, you know? It's hard. <laughs> I also agree. I like to think that if the right one comes, they will understand and they will respect you and they'll give you that space. Yeah, but I feel like there's a point in which you're so self-sufficient that I'm literally like, I don't want a boyfriend, I don't want a girlfriend, I just want to be me but by myself. But that can be exactly what you tell yourself. Yeah. And that can have a, a deeper... Um, oh, no, 100%. Like, yeah. for example, maybe I'm just thinking that because I'm too afraid to know that no one wants to be with me. Like, I mean, there are many different, like, ways you can see this, but 100%. I feel like relationships, relationships are hard for everyone and for, like, women who speak up is, like, harder. Yeah, but in, in regards, like, I really wanted to talk about relationships yeah. at some point, but what this self-sufficiency thing like i i really relate to that yeah. because i do like i'm in this stage where like i'm i'm discovering myself i'm exploring the world that i feel like i don't need anyone holding yeah. me back but we shouldn't really look at relationships like that yeah. but i also what i feel uh, is that what they're looking for in a relationship is salvation and i listened to this i think i told you this before but i i listened to this uh, talk uh, by marian williamson yeah. um And she was giving a, a talk on uh, romantic relationships and spirituality. And she was saying that our generation, uh, most people do not believe in God anymore, but they transferred all of those feelings uh, to romantic relationships. So that idea that once you connect to God, like you pray every day, mm -hmm. you're going to find, like you're going to feel whole and feel connected and you're going to be saved and you, uh, and then you go to heaven. We we don't have that belief about God, but we have about relationships. So we think that there's one person that is going to save us from everything else. And when we find that person, we're going to be whole and everything's going to be perfect. And that's crazy. And that for you, like, it's just crazy because, it, and I, I do see this in like, relationships yeah. i feel like people are expecting from me like they want me to be text them all the time and be there all the time for them and they think i'm gonna solve all their problems and they like they also want to be that person for me and like i've b built such an amazing group of like friends and i have my family and i have 
this that I want this project that I want to yeah. do and I have school like I have I have like a solid bub, like structure it's not one person that is going to solve all of my issues and it's a lot of weight to put into a person too like if you go in a relationship with this idea of like you're my savior you're putting so much weight in someone's shoulder you know like mm -hmm. they already have their lives like don't put yours I think like what, what people say like ah in Portuguese we say você é metade da minha laranja you're half of my orange yeah. like you should be in an entire orange and the other exactly. person should be an other orange you should be two oranges together not half of one orange to be yeah. one you know I feel like you should never put that much weight in someone's shoulder because mm -hmm. then it's not a relationship it's like you want a mom you want a, a nanny you know you want something else you don't mm -hmm. want a partner you want literally like a nanny no but it's exactly that and I really recommend uh, recommend all of you to watch that it's like Marianne, Will Marianne Williamson on love yeah. and spirituality uh because only when we understand that we have to work on ourselves first yeah. that's when we're ready for relationships because we're adding value to our lives and not just like putting pressure onto each other you know yeah yeah for sure and now to <laughs> end um i'm gonna explain what i'll be doing in all of my interviews from now on i'm basically gonna ask you a question okay. and then 10 years from now, like, and this is real, like, yeah. 10 years from now, I'm gonna call you or do a podcast, like, but I am gonna contact yeah. you and, and, and say, this is what you've answered and <laughs> think about this, right? Okay. And so, yeah, because the whole idea is that this is a podcast for from young people to young people. Um, and I think that our opinions matter and we should express them more often, but also, like, there's a lot of, a, a lot of things about the future about the future that are scary. So this is also for us to find a direction. And I, this is really like why I'm doing this. To give me a direction, but to mm -hmm. tell other people like in our position that it's okay to be lost. <laughs> to be lost. Yeah, we're all lost. It's fine. So I'm going to ask you, uh, why do you think you're here? Why do you here on earth okay. in general? And ideally, who would you like to be in the future what's your ideal life and why are you here why am i here and in 10 years time i'll will call you okay. katarina this is what you answered like okay. how are you doing or we do a podcast okay hopefully cool. we do a podcast yes. i'll still be doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay i feel like i am here to disrupt not necessarily technologically or whatever or maybe just make people uncomfortable in a sense I really like talking about things people don't... That's what I always wanted to do, a podcast of talking about stuff people don't want to talk about because I feel like there's so much... Do it! Yes. <laughs> I feel like there's so much there that people don't want to talk or they're afraid or they're... I don't know. And I don't feel that. Like, I'm never afraid to speak up or say something. So I feel like my reason to be alive right now, and I don't know, I feel like my mission in life is really to, you know, speak up and tell my truth not saying that I'm 100% right all the time because mm -hmm. I'm not, but I feel like, you know, I'm always going to be that person who is kind of like, I don't know how to say that, you know, like, yeah. the fuck. I'm always going to be there like, hey, have you thought about this and that, Provoking. you know? Provoking. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm a, yeah, I think I'm a provoker in a good sense. And uh, 10 years from now, that's the other question. No, in 10 years from now, I'm going to contact okay, you. Okay, okay, But like, what's, yeah, we can think like okay. 10 years time, what would you love to be doing? Like, how would your life be looking? <sighs> 10 years from now, I'll be 30... 32 32 i don't know i think i'll have a nice house and i'll be working something that i like <laughs> it's just really generic but i don't know i just hope i'm happy at that time like i have no idea what i'll do while i'm working and i just wanted to give uh uh parenthesis here i don't know say that but 
if you hear this and you think that oh my god she has her life like figured out like i'm lost like i cry at night you know like when i go to sleep sometimes i call my mom i'm just like i have no idea what i'm doing with my life so it's not because i did like a cool internship or i did a cool app that you know i am someone that is just like you know because i see some people on linkedin and i'm like oh my god they have their lives figured out no one has their lives figured out like it's scary for everyone so i hope that in 10 years from now i'm not scared anymore because mm -hmm. i feel like i'm scared of life even though i love it of course like i'll be talking a lot about like the future and how we're scared but like we basically choose how we want to feel we can feel scared because everything is uncertain and it creates anxiety and we live in that anxiety of the yeah. f what's gonna happen or we think it's so exciting because we have no idea what's gonna happen but we realize that it's only through being in the present and paying attention to the signs that life is giving mm -hmm. to us in the present that we will build the future that we actually want to yeah. create Well, thank you, Kata, for coming thank here for and taking me. the time. Um, I really appreciated spending this time with you. And I think it was a very fruitful conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you'll come here again and we'll have another conversation on a lot of other topics yes. that we need to discuss. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a beautiful weekend. We're going to Samba now. <laughs>